Cougar fans, it is time. Touchdown! What a grab! It's time to raise your colors, raise your voice, and join in on the raucous roundtable about your favorite team, the BYU Cougars. 15-10-5, It's time to tailgate. Cougar Tailgate, where BYU sports fandom lives. And here's your host, Lauren McClain. What's up, Cougar Nation? I'm Lauren McLean, and we're here to tailgate with you, doing what we do best, talking all things BYU Cougars. For this week's roundtable discussion, we have sports producer Hema Hemuli. What's up, Hema? Malolele. And former BYU basketball standout who has the single-season record for made threes, Jonathan Tavernari. Thanks for being here, Jonathan. Malolele. <laughs> <laughs> Say something in Portuguese. Let's, let's hear it. Bom dia. Ah, there it is. There it is. Jonathan, you're one of the best shooters in BYU history. When you see how many threes this BYU team gets to shoot, are you just drooling? Like, what are you thinking when you when you see this system? I I may or may not have already sent multiple text messages in the last few years to Dave Rose, (laughs) Tim Lacombe, Dave Rice, uh, John Wardenberg. But I will I will say this though. um, Dave Rice was always a proponent of, you know, JT, just shoot, 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 keep more. But, um, yes, uh, Dave Rose has received multiple text <laughs> messages from me and saying, I can't believe you wouldn't let me shoot more. And so, <laughs> How do you feel like you would have fared in this year's system? Because you were kind of the guy that shot all the threes. Now it's almost the entire team that has the green light. How do, how do you feel like you would have fared in the system? Yeah, I, you know, uh, this year has been, uh, so there are two teams that I look at and I'm like, man, I would have fit in like a glove and it would have been amazing. One was, was coach Pope's first year with, with Yoli and and Jake Mm. Tolson and TJ, because the way Zach Salius played, uh, Zach and I, you know, uh, I worked a lot with Zach and, and give him some advice and different things. And, you know, and say, hey, you can really play that stretch, you know, that stretch for that, you know, shooting forward, point forward type of role. Um, you know, and, and now Zach is above and beyond doing amazing in, in Europe. Um, shout out to him for the way his career is going. Um, but also the same thing with Trevin Nell. You know, um, Trev and I are extremely close and, you know, we we talk a lot. I, I send him messages even doing games. He doesn't check doing games, so make sure that we understand that we're good. But there's different things that that I see. You know, I'm like, hey, you didn't play less game. Maybe this game don't start off trying to catch up for missing, you know, missing time. Take your time. Just things like that, you know, that I've experienced. And um, but but even more than than with Trevin, I think the way Noah, you know, Waterman is really playing this year, that was a role that I played um a lot, which was the stretch four and then move without the ball. There are a lot of times, you know, there's a few clips that come to my mind just fresh um, against Texas. You know, the first few buckets of the game was Noah, and it was him cutting and Ali just dishing the ball to him. Um, And that was a lot of how I played, you know, moving without the ball and just trying to find and get to my spot. And and so I I think it will be great. Um, I Him, the day that I came for the Wyoming game Mm -hmm. to do the pregame show, um. After I left, I went to say hi to a few people, and and Mark saw me. He was like, "JT, you probably shoot twenty threes by yourself." <laughs> my teams. So, I, I, I that's the way I feel about these teams and the way they're playing. That's how I was. That's what I was going to ask next: is how many texts has Mark Pope received from you? 
<laughs> from you asking if you can join the team again. I, you know, I, I will say this, you know, I, I compliment him a lot and I think he deserves to be complimented. Um, um, you know, probably the one thing that I've always been a little bit critical of him at the beginning was I just felt that he sub subbed guys in and out a little bit too quick. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes as a shooter, you need to find that rhythm. You need to find that momentum, um, you know, but but just to see the way that he is going with with Trevin, um, with Jackson, with Richie, with Noah, um, you know, nothing but respect for him and the staff, the way the things that they're doing this year, you know, they are in the driver's seat to see how far they can go into the into the season. And so um, it's been an amazing, amazing thing to see. And, you know, obviously pops to him. Um, you know, I've, I've known Cahill since he got here. Um, Nick and Cody, I probably have a, a, a little bit longer relationship, especially with Cody, because he was with Coach Rose. And so we've known each other forever. Nick speaks Portuguese. And so, um, uh-huh. you know, we are, we, we've always yeah. been able to connect. But it's, yeah, incredibly, incredibly amazed and, you know, and, and happy for how this this staff is handling things this year. I love that. I love that the team has you as a mentor. I think that's so cool. And also, I, I want to shout out Zach Silius because he has an incredible mullet. Have you seen his mullet oh, right yeah. now? Oh, shout My out Zach. Goodness. Uh, uh, fellow Bountiful boy. You yeah. Know, that's he's, how we do. He's living his best life. I think it's in Germany, right? Isn't he yeah. Germany? Yeah, he's just yeah, growing that mullet yeah. and, and having a great time. Flow. BYU basketball is 15-5, and 3-4 and four in conference right now, coming off a huge home win against Texas. With 11 conference games left in the regular season, the Cougars are going down to Morgantown to take on the West Virginia Mountaineers, who are second to last in the conference, but a team who just beat Texas and Kansas on their home court. So it'll be another challenge for BYU in front of a hostile crowd. Jonathan, when you go into an opponent's arena where everyone is rooting against you, yelling all sorts of things, who knows what, how do you maintain composure and focus on the task at hand? You know, it's. I think you have to... You take into moments, right? I think, you know, college basketball is a little bit easier because you have mandatory TV timeouts. Um, whereas, you know, um, I'll take from our experience, you know, in, in FIBA basketball, in your league, um, in the different leagues throughout throughout there, um, they don't have mandatory timeouts. And so, um, I, you know, when I was in college, I always took timeout by timeout, you know, 16, 12, 8, and 4, minute mark. I mean, that's how – you try to win those battles. You try to minimize and, and, and you know, reduce, hey, you know, these are the goals. These are the next steps for us to be successful. Um, you know, there were some crazy arenas when, when I was at BYU. You know, I would go into New Mexico and it would be deafening, you know, Marriott Center-esque. And then, um, you know, at UNLV, because I went to high school at Bishop Gorman, um, UNLV was always a place that, you know, it, it, at least to me, I always felt that as soon as I touched the ball, everybody was, you know, feeling a type of way. Um, Air Force was also crazy, and I've shared this before, you know, uh, whenever I played at Colorado Springs against the cadets, I would hear all sorts of, you know, he's illegal. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, um, you know, and in all honesty, you know, this whole thing about horns down and people being yeah. up on their feelings about it. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like if somebody says that I'm illegal and I need a visa, I, I feel like that would be more offensive than just yeah. going horns down. So, but my point of saying that is that, um, you know, I just compartmentalized it. And to me, it, you know, knocking down a big three-pointer um, to be able to kind of silence the crowd, 
that was huge. You know, when you play in Europe with, you know, 15, 20,000 people yelling and screaming um, the way that we you know we've seen in different videos lately on social media. But um, it, it, to me, and to kind of finalize your question, I always felt the most pleasure in probably knocking down two or three three-pointers in a row. Mm-hmm. Because by the time you make that last one and the other coach calls a timeout and it is an out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at that point, there's nothing that, you know, the other team or the arena can say to you. And you just hear that, you know, that vacuum suck the noise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's it, it takes it takes a lot of concentration. But if you're able to break it down, how to be successful in those in those away games. It's probably the best way for you to move forward. To quiet the crowd, you got to keep making the threes. Hema, how do you feel like BYU has done with handling the road hostility so far this season? Um, I think, you know, so far this season, and they haven't had too many road games thus far. Right. Um, they haven't done very well. But let me let me just say that I feel like this BYU squad improves every time they, they hit the court, and that includes in the away games. And I think... Um, le- small lessons are learned between, you know, from, from the Utah game to the, the Texas tech game. Like I think they're improving slightly every game and that's what you need. And I think there's, there will come a point where this squad will kind of like what JT was saying, um, discover that playing on the road gives you a little bit of juice, right? JT, like being able to hit those threes in the face of the opposing fans in their arena could, could take this squad to the next level. So I think to answer your question, they, they haven't performed well on the road yet, but I feel like they're improving at, at, at the right time, which is towards the end of the season. And I think um, I'm pretty hopeful that we're going to get one or two of these road games that we're going on, whether it's this Saturday or, or in the near future, I think we're going to get a couple of those. And maybe with the exception of that UCF game, right, where they were able to pull it out, mm. and they was it wasn't a perfect game, yeah, but they they somehow pulled it out, and that had to have been a confidence boost for them too, because that was a loud, loud yeah. environment. Like you could even just watching on TV, you could you could tell they couldn't even hear themselves, yeah, but which if, I love. But if you remember, like even that game was like, oh, they learned from the week before that they had to like close out right all right two halves, you know, and and they did that, and I think. They're slowly learning, you know, as time goes on, and I think I think they'll peak at the right time. All right, guys, we saw a shift in BYU basketball style of play against Texas, and it worked in BYU's favor. Is the goal of shooting 35 threes a thing of the past? In previous games, BYU would keep shooting threes even when they were missing and cold just because that was their mold, that was what they branded themselves to be. For example, BYU led at halftime versus Texas Tech but lost the lead, tried to shoot themselves back into the game in the second half. BYU shot 15% from three in the second half. But to all of our surprise against Texas, BYU didn't make a three until nine minutes were gone in the first half. At that point, the game was tied 19-19, and then BYU kept shooting in the paint and finished the win over Texas, shooting 7-17 of from beyond the arc, outscoring Texas 40-26 to in the paint, 64% shooting on the game. So, Jonathan, do you feel like BYU has found a new way to win apart from just shooting threes? Um, I... I... Not dodging the question, but I think that the way that they played up to this point um, has been a consequence of of the personnel they had. Um, at the beginning of the season, I think that they were playing a lot through Foose, but Foose went down 
pretty early in the season. And so BYU just didn't have a really strong, big physical yeah. presence inside. And so because of that, I think you go, you know, you try to find your strengths and you try to find something that worked. Um, you know, they went in and had probably a handful of games that they shot, you know, 30 plus threes. And then it just turned out that, you know, it, it became the way that they were trying to win games. Obviously, when you live and die by the three, the probability that you die by the three, you know, is always there. And uh, but the one thing I think we, we have to be honest with ourselves is a lot of the times they stayed in games and games stayed closed and we haven't had a blowout right. loss because of the three. Right. Yeah. Um, to me, the 17 three pointers that they took on Saturday against Texas, to me, is a product of Foose is coming back. Um, they played a lot inside. They are trying to cut, you know, kind of like that the little baby fat of bad three pointers type of thing. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year, you know, this team is averaging 25 plus threes a game because that's what they do. You know, like Dallin is a shooter, Spencer is a shooter, Richie is a shooter, Jackson is a shooter, Travin is a shooter, um, Ali gets shots up, Noah gets shots up. That's seven guys that can knock down three pointers, and they are solid shooters that you know if they open, they will make it. And so, but I think that. You know, and I said this on Twitter, um, you know, right during the game, you know, him and I um, interacted a little bit about this. If Foose stays healthy and the rest of the team stays healthy, I I don't see a, a, a universe where this team is not a, a sweet 16 team. Mm. Mm. I, wow. just, I just don't I just don't see it. I mean, look at the way that they've been able to stay in games and they've mm. been able to compete against whoever. And, you know, at, at any given time. Um, probably one of the worst laws of the season, I would probably say, was, you know, at Utah and against mm -hmm. Cincinnati. And they played awful, mm -hmm. but they stayed <laughs> in a game. And that is without Foose. And so when you put that much of an unstoppable force on the low post, it's going to open up more for everybody. And so um, to me, you know, shooting a lot, I don't know. I don't know if we're only going to shoot 17 three-pointers. I think the goal for this team should be to get about 25. But I think that as Foose gets healthier and, you know, and play more, um, you know, that number is only going to go to go up. Yeah, I, th I think that's a really good point. That puts a lot of pressure on Foose, though, if you think about it. Because three big guys, you got Atiki Ali Atiki, Foose, and you got Ali Khalifa. They are three very distinct mm -hmm. big guys, do very different things. And the game definitely changes when Foose is in. So do you agree with that, Hema, that that – is what made the difference in the game. Uh, 100%. I think I think BYU is they they have all the tools to play different styles and ways and they're just trying to figure out like when to implement what I think. Like from from a big picture view, right? Like like for the Houston loss, like we hung around yeah. um but we couldn't get a three-pointer. Like we couldn't buy one in the second half. But then you look at the Texas game and I'm going to be honest, like the Texas uh, backcourt scared me. I thought yeah. they were going to run us. Mm -hmm. uh, we found a way to score in the paint. Jackson Robinson was driving and, and doing all kinds of stuff that, you know, tools that we knew he had. It's just they implemented it at the right time and, and we were able to come out versus Texas with the win. So I think I 100% I agree with JT. I agree with what everything you guys are saying. I think it's also just, you know, BYU's 
still in the learning process, improving little by little, and that they're learning, you know, what tools we need to win certain games. And I wonder, I'm curious to see how West Virginia turns out. Like, how are they going to yeah. grind um, out this win? And, I, and I'm going to add something to what Hema said about learning new tools. Um, the noise that you heard was me trying to go to ESPN to look at the stats. <laughs> but, um, when you look at all of their initial games and, you know, that they had in the season, um, 36 three-pointers, uh, 27 three-pointers, 43 three-pointers, and uh, um, 33 three-pointers up into the game when Foose got hurt. You know, that probably gives you about, a, you know, between 30 and 35 three-pointers. And so, um, I like I said, I think that the more, uh, you know, and, and Foose, as we know, sometimes he has a hard time in the summer staying healthy. A lot of times he can't really get his rhythm um, in the preseason because he has to rehab and so on. Um, but to Hema's point about, you know, finding a way to learn new tools and be ready for, for you know, to, to see how you can adapt and so on. Um, I kind of going to stand by what I said. I think that between 25 and 33 pointers, that's where this team is going to end up averaging. Mm. Um, you know, to your point, Lauren, um, I think life becomes a little bit difficult for a Tiki because where do you find playing time? Right. You know, um, I think a Tiki has something that no other big at BYU has, which is the athletic leaping ability so to be a shot blocker and a rim protector. Right. But, you know, we haven't really played against, you know, um, somebody that that really plays above the rim that you force Foose or um, Ali to have to come out of the game. Mm. And I know that's a tough situation for Atiki, um, you know, but when you're looking how we can make the most damage offensively, because defensively this team has been fine, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, they switch one through five, they help and recover, they're scrambling. And so, but I think offensively, if you can figure out a way of Foose playing, you know, around 20, you know, between 20 to 25 minutes, and then you get um, Ali playing anywhere between 15, 20 minutes, um, that gives you two different dimensions, two different looks on offense um, of being extremely effective. And, uh, you know, and from there, you can do an, a, an array of different matchups with, you know, Richie and Foose or Ali and Foose and mm -hmm. Ali and Noah um, and, uh, you know, and then on the guard lineup. And so it's it's unfortunate that Atiki is getting a little bit less playing time, which, you know, it's also the true with Trey um, and so Trey Stewart. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, sometimes in conference you get down your rotations to seven, eight players, and that's just that's just the way it is. And it's a good problem to have, to have too many guys – that you feel like you want to rotate in, you got to have that depth because anyone can go down at any time, right? So, as much yeah. as it stinks for those guys on the bench, you got to have them there and ready to go at all times because you never know what's going to happen. Up next, we'll hear from you, the fans, about how far you think BYU basketball can go in their Big 12 debut. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean with Jonathan Tavernari and Hema Hemuli. We love hearing from the fans about your BYU basketball hot takes, so our producer Carter Bond hit the streets and found out your confidence level with this year's team. Here's the first. All right, who am I here with? Uh, Mayan Moon. All right, Mayan. Tell me in one word, how would you describe this BYU basketball team this season? Um, I would say surprising. 
Surprising. Why surprising? Uh, first year in the Big 12. Uh, it's debatably the hardest basketball conference in the nation, and we're holding our own. Uh, we've been ranked for a long period of time. Unsure how that's going to look going into uh, this next uh, AP poll, but we'll see. If BYU makes the tournament, big if, knock on wood, how far do you see them going in the tournament? Um, you know, I could see Elite Eight, Elite Eight exit. If not, Final Four. And I'm praying for a, for a national championship. We'll see, though. All right. Love to hear it. Last thing, it's five seconds left in a game, down by one. Who on this BYU team do you want taking that last shot? Uh, I got to go with Jackson Robinson. So he's just he's just a bucket. All right, appreciate mine. So this guy's praying for a national wow. championship. He's praying <laughs> for it. JT, how far? You mentioned the Sweet 16. You you said in that's where you see them going, but how far do you think BYU is capable of going in the tournament? So I um I don't have blue goggles anymore. I gave you <laughs> to, put on, uh, to put on their uh, old Sports Nation um, table, and I never got it back, along with a couple of other <laughs> items there. Uh, but I will say is, you know, it's something that I talk to a lot, and a lot of fans, when they see me and we start talking about the team, think about this. First round, we pound the ball, the ball inside to Foos, and Dallin catches fire. We go to the second round. Second round, Jackson catches fire. We go to the Sweet 16. Sweet 16, Spencer Johnson and Trevin catch fire. We go to the Elite Eight. On the Elite Eight, Ali and Richie and Trevin catch fire. We go to the Final Four. I mean, here's what's yeah. crazy, right? BYU is BYU is a national name. And, you know, we're finally getting to a place that, you know, national recognition is coming back to BYU hopefully to be in a situation where, you know, we were winning championships again and, and being ranked all year like we used to and so on. But did any of these things that I just shared and I said about people catching fire and going crazy, I mean, is it far-fetched? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't no. think it is yeah. because we've seen it so far. And we've seen it against, you know, Houston at home. We've seen AUCF at Baylor. And so if you're able to catch fire at the right time, you know, this team is being battle tested. And, you know, just look at the schedule that they have coming up. If they are able to get 20 wins, I think that they're a lock to be a high seed in the NCAA tournament. If they get to somehow, and I think it's possible, right? I mean, just looking at some wishful thinking and, you know, maybe we'll, we'll do a, a couple of, you know, um, fasting sessions, you know, in between <laughs> games and, and maybe say a few prayers and going to the temple and point and putting the entire team's name in a prayer roll. But um, <laughs> if if they can win at West Virginia, that's one. And then at, between Kansas, UCF, and Oklahoma State at home, they can get two of those. That's three. If they can then maybe get Baylor or Kansas at home, that's four. And then if they can win and TCU, that would be five. And if some way somehow they can win at Iowa State or at Oklahoma State to get 21 wins, I mean, we at that point are talking about this team playing a game or two in Salt Lake City. Mm. You know, oh, um, That'd be amazing. I mean, that's what we're talking about. And I think these are realistic expectations. And so 
um, you know, and I joked around and Ben Critter retweets more than anybody should, where <laughs> I said right after we right after one of the terrible football losses that we had, and I'm like, what if this is the universe where football isn't at, you know, doesn't do as well as we all thought they would they would do, and basketball is mm-hmm. the one that has an outstanding season. And none of these things that I've shared are far-fetched because we've seen them do it and there's the possibility of them doing it. And so, you know, it's, I, I'm with my guy Moen over there and, uh, you know, I'm, I have a couple of different, you know, statues of Jesus right here. I even have my rosary <laughs> from when I was Catholic. I may start, you know, doing games, putting it in my pocket, you know, saying prayers and, you know, all these types of things for us to be able to, to be successful. You know what's crazy, JT, is before the season started, during football season, what you said seemed really far-fetched, like that BYU basketball would have this incredible run. I don't think anyone would have believed it then. And then as the game started going on, you're like, oh, maybe, 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 maybe. And then here they are having a phenomenal season raked in the top 25 in their debut in the Big 12. It's just it's kind of a surreal a surreal thing right now. Hema, how far do you think this BOU team, from what you see right now, can go in the tournament? Oh, man. I I do think they're good for one or two wins, just as they are right now. And then I, if my theory that they're going to get better and better um, comes true, they could go even further. The only thing that's holding me back is the, the old BYU PTSD of, like, you know, something's going to happen. Like, yes. someone's going to get hurt. You know, there is an element of luck that's needed to go far in the in the NCAA tournament because that's, that's a grind, right? Yeah. The best teams in the country. Uh, like, I do think there needs to be some good luck had. But um, with how surprising the BYU squad has been this season compared to my expectations preseason, uh Man, they could get lucky. I think you know, maybe the maybe it's our time, JT. Maybe we're back. <laughs> we'll see. All right, let's let's. If they yeah. if they really come to Salt Lake, you and me need to get a whole lot of people oh, and paint our chest for sure. And, uh, like it's all of my integrity <laughs> and self respect is going to go out of the window. Yep. Who cares? They're, they're like, yeah. isn't that Jonathan Tavernari? Oh, I don't even care. I mean, Buffalo. Wild Bill from Utah State. Who's going to say that? If they have a game in Salt Lake, oh, it's, yeah. it, it will be pandemic. Count me in. So. Count me in, JT. <laughs> All right, let's hear the next one. My name is Kevin Humphreys. All right, Kevin, give me one word to describe this BYU basketball team. Uh, one word I would use to describe this BYU team this season is resilient doesn't matter if they're making or missing their shots. They're always in games against the best teams in the country. How far do you see this BYU basketball team going in March? I can see this team winning a game in March, but not going any further. I think they are too exploitable on the defensive end of the floor. All right, five seconds left, down one. Who do you want taking the final shot of the game? Down one with five seconds left. I'm giving the ball to Jackson Robinson and letting him cook in that mid-range. All right, so both of these guys said they want the ball in Jackson Robinson's hand to take the last shot. From what you've seen so far this season, JT, who do you want taking that last shot? Um, I'm going to go with Dallin Hall. Okay. And in the in the way I'm going to the reason why I'm going to go with Dallin Hall is the same reason why uh, Mark Pope went to Dallin against uh, Utah but mm. the play just didn't connect. Um, I'm thinking about situations, and uh, let's see if you guys follow me here. Dallin is to the top of the key, 
towards a little bit to the right side and he's dribbling and he is looking. Um, there is a guard on the corner on the right side spacing out. And then Jackson, Noah, and, and Ali are on that side, you know, and they're doing their little spinning around trying to get open. The amount of times Dallin is able to go and get a bucket by beating people off the dribble or by being craft, you know, crafty and spinning and so on. Um, to me, that is the main reason why I would give the ball to Dallin. I think Dallin's ability to get to the lane and the way he is doing it, you know, um, he is playing against, you know, a whole lot of brothers that are athletic, longer, taller, stronger, quicker, and they just don't stop him. Yeah. And, you know, there was one on Saturday that I thought he was going to cock back and dunk it. And I'm like, this looks like a young <laughs> Derrick Rose in Memphis. Uh. And Whoa. I'm like, I'm like, he might be able to dunk that thing in a couple in about a year. And so <laughs> I would have Dallin. I think he is. I think he's tough and he has the body. He has a big body, strong body, and he's crafty enough to be able to get his own shot, especially getting to the lane. So, you know, I would probably say, Dallin, put your head down, go make a play, go get a bucket, you know, get to the foul line. I like that pick, and he's a, he's a tough kid. Hema, who you got? That's a good one. Okay, let me paint a scenario for you guys. Okay? All right, let's hear it. Storyteller mode. We're in late in a game, BYU versus whoever, right? Winner goes to the Final Four. Just as JT predicted, Dallin Hall is bringing the ball up the court. And what I'm seeing in my mind is Dallin Hall driving to the basket, and just as you think he's going to make it to the rim, he'll kick out to Trevanel who's wide open. He's been here before. The miss <laughs> earlier in the season crushed him, but he's learned from this journey, and he buries that three to take us to the final four. Like that's, that's what I want to see. It would be poetic. It'll be great television, which is what I'm all about. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I, would put, I would do that with Trevin Nell. That's a beautiful scenario. BYU moves on to West Virginia. That'll be a quad three game for BYU, quad one for West Virginia. The West Virginia has a winning record at home, and their leading scorer is Raekwon Battle, a transfer from Montana State. And 6'11 forward Jesse Edwards, a transfer from Syracuse, is on track to return against BYU after suffering a wrist injury. West Virginia ranks 202nd in three-point defense and 323rd in field goal percentage. BYU ranks 37th in field goal percentage. West Virginia ranks 311th in points per game. BYU ranks 17th. On paper, BYU is the better team, and they've had a week off to heal up a little bit. So here's my last question for you guys. Hema, what do you expect from this game in Morgantown on Saturday? I, What I have learned is that you should not expect to have any expectations <laughs> in the Big 12. It's Expect crazy. the unexpected. No, Nobody is safe. Everyone has a target on their back, and it doesn't – like. BYU could go into Morgantown, win by 30, and I wouldn't be surprised. They could go there and get crushed, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Like, that's just how crazy this league is. So that's going to be my answer because yeah. I have no idea what's going to happen. I would be surprised if they got crushed, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lost in a tight game just seeing that West Virginia has been doing phenomenal at home. JT, what do you think uh, is going to happen this Saturday? Um, I think BYU, again uh, – you know, not with the blue goggles, but I think something that, that Hema said and you pointed out too earlier, Lauren, is um, I think that this is Infirmary 101, you know, week for mm. BYU where, you know, they have been all about recovery and getting guys. 
there has been multiple guys that have missed games because of injury. Mm-hmm. Travin Nail, Noah Waterman, Jackson Robinson, um, Foose, um, Ali. And so to have these guys back, you know, and be at full speed, um, I, in my opinion, I think that looking at the calendar, I think that the next one, two, three, four, I think the next four games for BYU, um, I'm not going to say they're going to make or break their season, but if they can go two and two or three and one out of the next four games and everybody stays healthy until the middle of February, then I might have to make a few bets and call my bookies um, <laughs> to be able to, to be able to place some bets for me because it I think it will be a very special you know month and a half of, of hoops mm. from that point on BYU. Ooh, I hope you're right. Okay, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time with me today. That does it for us today. Thanks again to Jonathan Tavernari and Hema Hamuli for coming on the show with me. Carter Bond and Tori Kimball helped produce this episode with senior producer Terry South. You can join the Cougar Tailgate wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYURadio.org. Cougar Tailgate is a production of BYU Radio. BYU Radio.